Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on IFM, where we always bring you all the latest news about the gizmos, gadgets, happenings, and whatnot in the tech world. And interestingly, or Fantastically, the tech world has woken up again. It's nearly the end of August and September's big in the tech world because everybody wants to get all their new products and all their new um, stuff out for Christmas. And uh, what can I say? So good things are happening. Well, the big news of yesterday was the launch of the much-anticipated, uh, and I mean seriously much-anticipated Samsung Galaxy Note 8. And um, as I'm sure a lot of you could recall, anyone who's been on a plane in the last year uh, was informed that if they had a Galaxy Note 7, they may not bring it on board because it had this horrible little tendency to explode and uh, burn things, which was really not... A great way to launch a brand new product. And I must say, I went to the launch of the Note 7 right here in South Africa. And it was a fantastic product. It was slick. It had all the latest tech. But uh, unfortunately, due to a couple of issues around battery manufacture, which uh, Samsung uh, finally owned up to, the uh, product was withdrawn, cancelled, and ultimately a whole chunk of them were destroyed. So it wasn't a great start to the whole Note saga. But I think what has happened now with Samsung is they really, they've doubled down. They had to come back with a massively uh, good product. And bottom line, they have done so. The new Galaxy Note 8 is without question the best phone that Samsung have ever made by a long shot. Apart from the, the tech specs and all the gadgets and gizmos that are, are built into this thing, I mean, it's got more technology, more bits and pieces than you could ever imagine. Um, being built into a phone, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. But basically, having played with it, apparently they only arrived in the country yesterday, but they were at the launch and they had a whole host of the, the phones with all the, you know, just demonstrating all its capabilities. But they feel amazing. It is a 6.3-inch Quad HD display, edge-to-edge, with a very similar feel to the Galaxy S8 in design. So in other words, it's got no bezels. In other words, at the bottom there's a tiny little strip which has got a microphone, and at the top there's a tiny little strip which has got the camera and the earpiece. Apart from that, it's all screen, and the screen curves gently, slightly less gently than the um, S8. In fact, the whole overall feel of the Note 8 is a little bit more angular, a little bit more square, but it is huge. It's The S8 Plus was 86.2 inches, this one 6.3 inches, and I mean the screen is absolutely gorgeous. It's bright, it's clear, it's ultra sharp. Again, tons of settings. You can set it slightly less sharp for um, battery life purposes or at its ultimate resolution for movies or pictures, which will eat a little bit more battery. Um, And talking of batteries, Samsung were very, very, very clear that this battery has been tested better than any battery ever installed ever before on any... um, product that they have made. They've had external people check it. They've had internal people check it. And in fact, it's sealed in a separate little holder. And it's a bigger battery than the previous generation. And they maintain that this battery will last a minimum of two years. And they absolutely guarantee there will be none of these explosive uh, events that they had in the past. But apart from that, it's using some of the latest technology in the processor, 10 nanometer. Now that is a hard thing to even understand. Um, a human hair is a couple or you know, it's like 100, 200 nanometers of uh, of size. And the processor in there is built on a 10 nanometer die. In other words, it is so tiny. They've squished so many uh, processes in there. But it has two, two effects. The first one is, by being so compact, it is super efficient. So it sips battery power as compared to older processes that used a lot more battery power. So whatever battery they've stuck in there, this they guarantee that the Note 8 will easily get you through a working day, unless, of course, you're playing it at full volume and talking 24 by 7. But apart from that, the battery should last longer. And two, it is faster, much quicker, much um, 
more powerful. And bottom line, and they have a little thing called the Dex Dock. I'll get into the whole review down the road. This is news after all. But they have something called the Dex Dock, which you connect the phone to, and suddenly it becomes a full-on desktop. connects to an external screen, mouse, and keyboard, and you can... It behaves and performs exactly like a computer. Well, this, the processor built into the S8 is definitely, um, as powerful, if not more powerful than the, than the average laptop, uh, processor out there right now. It is also full IP68, um, r- rating waterproof. So it's fully waterproof, including the S Pen. And that is the big difference between the Note and the S, and the S8. It has this soak, this amazing S Pen. And it has one little trick they showed me. They put the thing underwater, tap the screen with a pen and continue to write. So the pen is waterproof, the phone's waterproof. So you can take notes while you're swimming, should that be your thing. Um, but it's just cool to see that it's really, uh, life-proof. You can wander onto the beach with it. You can take it next to the pool. You can drop it in the bath. You can even read in the bath, answer your emails, do what you want. It's truly waterproof, which is brilliant. The other major standout feature, which I couldn't really spend much time playing with, but it has dual cameras on the rear. And both of them have autofocus. One's a wide angle, one's a narrow angle. But it has what they call an aperture of 1.7. And that simply means that it's quite a big um, aperture, which gives lots of light. So its low light performance looks astonishing. And it has autofocus on both cameras, unlike its competitors, which, you know, only autofocus on the main camera. So truly, this looks like this is going to be one of the best cameras on the um on the market going forward. And the front one wasn't forgotten. It's an 8 mega wide, megapixel wide angle. So um, also with a very um, high or high aperture of 1.7. So your front selfie camera will also give you tremendous, um, tremendous light. And Samsung South Africa has confirmed that it will be available in midnight black, maple gold, which is sort of a, a bronzy gold, and orchid gray, which is sort of a gray darkish not quite black, not quite light grey or silver. And I forgot to put my phone on silent. Can you believe that? Apologies there. Um, so it will also be available from the 22nd of September in South Africa. It's going on sale in America um, on the 15th. And it's um, available from the 22nd of um of September here in South Africa. But the good news is if you go online right now, go to the uh, um, Samsung website or go to the various operator websites, I think they've all got little microsites, you can actually start pre-orders pretty much immediately. I've heard some people say only one September, but I've checked it out and I've been able to put my name down for a couple. It's going to be expensive. I think the retail price is 18999 which is, or 18499, sorry, 18499, which is not inexpensive, but it's competitive with the um, Apple iPhone 7 Plus, and certainly a little bit more, probably three, 4,000 and more than the S8. So if you don't need the pen, you get pretty much the same or very similar performance, and perhaps not as good a camera, um, and slightly smaller on the S8 Plus, but certainly you save a little bit of money. So if, you're, if you've been waiting for the 8, the Note 8, and it's really quite interesting, Samsung have jumped from the Note 5 because they skipped the 6 to go to the 7, and they've gone straight from the Note 5 to the Note 8. So it's a big jump, and really slick interface running the latest version of Android, all these sort of added pen-friendly apps and, you know, things that you can play with. So a really big launch, big deal from uh, Samsung, and I think they've done more than they needed to do to redeem themselves. So... The big launch of the Note 8 going on sale 22nd of September. Really impressive phone, expensive. It's going to be around about a thousand rand. You're not going to spend less than a thousand rand on a package because you need lots of data for a phone of this power. So go check it out. If you're a Samsung fan and a Note fan, um, go and check out the Galaxy Note 8. It's available pretty much now, and you should be able to pick it up in approximately three weeks. And on that note, uh, we have to quickly... Um, take an ad break and we'll be back with some more news some more interesting announcements from Samsung straight after this Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose 11 to 12pm only on 101.9 IFM Well hi there and welcome back and 
Samsung had a lot of announcements uh, in and around the S8 launch. Obviously, they planned this quite carefully, and they wanted to get their best foot forward. But something that they hyped like mad at the launch of the S8 was their smart assistant, their artificial intelligence assistant, pretty much in the vein, though they beg to differ, of Google Voice and Siri and um you know, the various Microsoft, uh, my phone, Siri's listening to me all the time. Um, so they, la- they launched Bixby Voice with the S8, and they gave it a dedicated button. If you've got an S8 or an S8 Plus, you have the silly little button on the left, which simply opened up a new weather type and news app. Didn't do much else. Well, the good news is, as of the 22nd, which was the day before the launch of the S8, Bixby Voice was launched across the globe. There are two fairly... Uh, benign limitations, though perhaps not. In the first is that it's only available in Korean and U.S. English. So if your Korean is a little flaky, which um, is not surprising living in South Africa, the um, the main voice you'd have to uh, install is the U.S. voice. However, there are lots and lots of features to customize or train Bixby to use your voice. And what Samsung mentioned, and that's actually very true, is that being a sort of interactive service that's always online, um, it is learning. So the more people that download it, and apparently there were over 10,000 downloads of Bixby on the day it launched, so it's probably a lot more than that uh, right now. Um, it, it will learn. It will learn the South African colloquialisms. It will learn the intonation and the slang and everything that you want to use in every country that it's in, and hopefully within the next couple of months they'll have a localized version of Bixby that'll be much more accurate at picking up your voice. I installed it on my S8, so if you've got an S8 or an S8 Plus, um, very simple, just open Bixby. Uh, if it doesn't automatically tell you to update, go to Settings in the Bixby app, which is on the top right. Tap on that, go to Settings, and it'll ask you to check for updates. I would always click the little bottom thing that says Automatically Update. Do that, and it'll download all the updates to Bixby, install Bixby Voice, and then take you through, in my opinion, a little bit of a convoluted and long-winded installation process where it explains what Bixby does, it explains the sort of features you can expect from Bixby, um, and then takes you through a bit of a training session to train Bixby to use your voice, and then off you go. And all you need to do now is push the button on the side and tell Bixby things to do. And Already, I must tell you, I found that its context-sensitive ability is quite impressive. So, for example, you can stack commands. You can say, hey, Bixby, open up um, Twitter, tweet uh, to the following person, and then add the following picture. So you can add a multi-layered stack of of commands. And I must say that for the most part, not always, but for the most part, um, it tends to get it right and 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 launch all these things you can also say phone uh, xyz mobile number or even smarter than that you can say whatsapp so and so um and send this picture this picture not the picture you've touched just the picture the one that you just took and that's where the context sensitive comes in uh, really well you can ask it to play music what is my favorite track and it will pick it out of your your playlist, you can say open up Deezer. Not every app's enabled, but it is pretty good. You can also say make an appointment for my dentist, and it'll pick up the dentist in your phone book and make an appointment. It'll even ask you what date you would want, morning or afternoon. So the contact sensitivity and the ability to do multiple things Certainly using the apps that are built in and more and more apps, um, you know, Samsung have informed us that more and more apps are going to have Bixby built in. So hope where they're going with this is that you'll be able to use your voice to do absolutely everything on the phone. Right now, it, it sometimes gets it all wrong. You have to occasionally, instead of calling it data, you have to call it data. Um, it gets a little muddled. Hopefully that'll improve, but Overall, I'm very, very impressed with Bixby. It is pretty, pretty slick. It works pretty seamlessly. Um, and it seems to have more context ability 
than what's currently available. I have been trialing uh, the latest version of Siri in iOS 11, and that seems to be much more context-sensitive with a much more natural voice than the older version of Siri. Um, but uh, also on most phones now, uh, the Google Assistant is now available, which does very similar things. So the the world of voice assistants is hotting up remarkably. And, I mean, 10,000 downloads in South Africa in the, on day one. That's uh, before even the vast majority of people have even heard that Bixby is available. Hopefully you've, any of you listening right now who haven't downloaded Bixby will get out and do it. It's just a great add-on if you own an S8 or an S8 Plus and now the Note 8. It is not available across other models as of yet, but it definitely will be uh, more and more useful. They say they're going to start adding it to their smart speaker, which they've confirmed they're going to bring out. They're going to start adding it to your fridge, your washing machine. So you'll tell Bixby to do a, a light washing of uh, your delicates or whatever it is. <laughs> you won't even have to push buttons anymore. You'll just speak to your tumble dryer and your washing machine and your fridge. Oh, you'll tell the fridge to super cool the, the milk you've just put in. Things like that. So voice is definitely becoming quite a a big thing. And you're going to see it get across you know, pretty much all the things that Samsung are on about. And that's not all that Samsung, this is really a Samsung news section. The other thing that Samsung announced, well, didn't really announce, but what they said they would be doing is Samsung Voice will be, um, Samsung Voice will also be coming to South Africa very, very shortly. They say they wouldn't commit to an exact time. Uh, not Samsung Voice, Samsung Pay. I'm getting a little muddled. Samsung Pay will be launching in South Africa before the end of the year. That's as close as they're going to get. And that is, apart from FNB, who allows you to do contactless payment through their app, which is pretty much a first in South Africa, um, Samsung Pay takes that to a whole nother level. Essentially, if all the banks, and I'm sure all the banks, and they say they've done that integration, all the banks are on board. If you have a credit card, debit card, or any banking relationship across South Africa, the um, Samsung Pay app will allow you to integrate with that. And what is smart about the Samsung Pay app, it doesn't need a special tap-and-go terminal. Any terminal, even with a magnetic card reader, can be used with Samsung Pay. So if you leave your wallet at home, or you don't have to take your wallet, take your phone, you can pay for anything, pretty much anywhere using Samsung Pay. And that's quite a big deal because it's a lot safer. You don't have credit cards. You've got a pin. It's all safe. Use your fingerprint to secure it. And you can pay for anything, anywhere, using any credit card machine uh, pretty much anywhere in the country. So that's quite a big deal, and I think it'll be quite a big um, uh, sort of coup for Samsung. No one else, Apple Pay hasn't come to the country for lots of reasons, but Samsung certainly being the biggest in the country in terms of smartphones, it makes a lot of sense to bring it now and to to make it happen. So look forward to that. Apart from talking to your phone, you can now use your phone to pay everything. And the last little bit of news, um, we spoke about it on the drive show. Vodacom had a bit of a glitch this week. They changed something on their computer system and instantly wiped out your data and your airtime. How's that for the way to go? Well, they've apologized. Apparently, they have reimbursed everybody who was affected. I don't know how they worked that out, but I'm sure there were a lot of people working on that. So if you were uh, a Vodacom subscriber and your airtime as of Monday or Tuesday just disappeared and you landed up having to spend more, all your airtime on data or your data bundle disappeared, and you haven't been reimbursed, please contact Vodacom on their care line. They will sort it out. But to say sorry, what they've done is they've given everybody who was affected three days' worth of data, 500 megs to be precise. They've given you three days of data, 500 megs bundle. I think that was a little mean. They should have made it a little bit longer. But anyway, um, it was a bit of a sort of let's let's say sorry and give stuff, which is great. I mean, they didn't duck it. They fixed it. They said that will never occur again, I can imagine. And uh, they've reimbursed everyone or restated everyone back to where they should have been. So well done, Vodacom, but not cool when your airtime just disappears. Now we're going to have a quick break and then a brilliant interview um, talking all about what's coming in tech with um, Dilip Bhatia, who's the vice president of lots of stuff, but global marketing from Lenovo. I was at a Lenovo event last week, and this was really super interesting stuff. So we'll be back straight after this, off the adverts, with our uh, really interesting interview with Dilip Bhatia. 
HiFM Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. Welcome to Tech Talk Cafe, and with us, not quite in the studio, but in the CTICC in Cape Town, where we're at the Lenovo Innovation Summit, is Dilip Bhatia. Now, he has got a long title. He's the VP of Marketing, User, and Customer Experience, which is quite a broad sort of title. Tell us a little bit about what you do and a little bit about what uh, Lenovo does, because I'm sure most people have heard of you, but it's nice to get a sense of, you know, from the inside of what you guys are on about. Sure. I mean, my long title, in essence, is really about the customer at the end of the day. How are we delivering optimal uh, products for our customers? We collect a lot of user insights. How do we deliver a great user experience and how do we deliver a great experience from an end-to-end perspective? Do the customers know about our brand? Do the time they purchase our products? Uh, to the time uh, they use our products, how, how are we delivering an optimal customer experience overall? Now, a little bit about Lenovo. We're almost a $45 billion company. That's rather large. It is large. Uh, 55,000 employees, presence in 160 different countries. Uh, so a very big company overall. And we're comprised of uh, three different divisions. The PC division roughly accounts for about 70% uh, of the group. We also have a mobile phone group, which was acquired from Google, the Motorola uh, phone division. And then we have a data center group, uh, which is basically our Lenovo server and the IBM x86 business that we purchased a couple of years ago. So those are really the three businesses that account for about $45 billion in revenue for us. That's quite a significant footprint. And, I mean, in the technology space, you guys are, are pretty active across a whole host, mobile, tablet, PC, laptop, servers, all these different things. And as you mentioned, you know, the, the um, data center hardware that makes all these huge sort of, we'll talk about cloud in a minute, but all those sort of things work. So how do you, you, you measure your customer stuff across such a broad variety of things? Isn't it just a huge undertaking? It is. Um, it is a pretty big company. Um, but the way to be successful is, and that's why we have, we have or, we're organized by uh, business divisions. So, for example, in the PC division, we have um, you know segments that are very much focused on the customer. So we have a consumer segment that's responsible for truly understanding the customer, who our consumers are, and how do we design solutions around them. We have a small business segment. We have an enterprise segment, for example, that looks after the ThinkPad business, and their sole mission is to understand from an end-to-end perspective. So, so the, from a business point of view, they will try to understand exactly what a business user would want. Exactly. And, and how different that is from, a, let's say, a normal consumer who just wants to you know, do Facebook, for example. Yeah, so in the, in, the, uh, in, in the enterprise space, our primary customers obviously are end users, but we also talk to a lot of CIOs and a lot of IT managers. They're not purchasing one PC at a time. They're purchasing a fleet of devices. They're purchasing a couple thousand ThinkPads, or they're purchasing monitors, they're purchasing docks. Whereas a consumer customer, they're going to a, a retail store to purchase a unit of one, or a small business store is purchasing a couple of PCs at a time. So it's really the responsibility of the segments to truly understand who are the customer, what are the requirements, what are their pain points, and so on. And same thing with the mobile handset and the data center. Even in the data center business, we have multiple segments that are truly focused on their customer set to understand. And that's how you run this $45 billion to truly get to closer to the customer. Because a, a company of that scale, it's actually very easy to lose sight of, of what's going on at the ground, for example. So you try to make sure that that never happens within the various segments. Exactly. And then part of I'm part of the PC group. And mm. so part of the PC group, I provide a lot of customer insights into the different segments. Let's discuss a couple of those things. Yeah. Because it must be really interesting to find out. Because you, we've all got our likes and dislikes yeah. and wants. And sometimes we don't know what we want. Yep. But you guys must do a lot of research and work around what what it is that people use their stuff for absolutely, and, and what they do on them. Absolutely. So, for example, um, and I talked about it this morning, uh, we, t- we have a, uh, a dashboard, what I call Customer Insights Dashboard. And the reason I created this dashboard was uh, I used to run the product division. I used to run ThinkPad a couple of years back. And when I would launch products, I would want to know how my PC is doing. What do people think about it? Do I have a positive sentiment or do I have a negative sentiment on my product? So this tool that I have actually uh, uses big data analytics and I can grab a lot of data on the website and I can easily decide if a particular model has a positive 
sentiment or a negative sentiment. And that's based on all the comments and reactions. All the comments. They say, the I love this ThinkPad, or I don't like my trackpad, right? I wish I had that well, feature. The little rubber dot keeps disappearing. <laughs> right. So any, really anything that's being said on the internet about our products, we capture that data. And then I give that data to the product manager, and every product manager knows what do people like about the device, what do they not like about it, and what do they wish for. So it's very effective. So when you're designing the next generation product, you take those insights. Another area, another thing that we have is I've got a panel of about 7,000 consumers that I can go to any time and ask for feedback. I've got about a panel of about 5,000 for commercial customers. So if I want to figure out, hey, do I put this feature or that feature, I can get direct feedback. You can actually test it before you even get You can test it before you decide to put it on the product, right? And how much are you willing to pay for it? Right, so would you be willing to pay more for this feature so I can decide is this feature worth it or it isn't? Right, so we get a lot of those insights from the panel. We do also do ethnographic research. So recently we just finished an ethnographic research of gamers. Gaming is a hot trend these days. Absolutely, right? everyone's talking gamers. about Everyone, gaming. Exactly, and so we decided, okay, in order to understand gamers, we followed about two dozen gamers into their houses to see how are they using our laptops, what's their lifestyle like? What time of the day do they game? You know, what games do they play, right? Uh, you know, it, just even their setup, their environment, the table. And you learn so much just by doing that ethnographic piece of research, right? We've done ethnographic research for our commercial customers, for first-time users in India and China, right? So those are all tools that we have available to truly understand who the customers are so that when we design our products, we have those insights as we design the products. And and how much of that plus the trends that we spoke about this morning are changing what we're seeing? And what are, what are our listeners going to see in the next couple of years? What's going to change? We're all used to the current computers and what they look like and that Laptops get thinner, they get slightly thicker, they get this bump, that bump. What are the big trends? What's changing out there, and what are we going to see in the next couple of years? So this is really a fascinating time to be in this industry, right? To me, uh, it's like the car industry in the 1950s and 60s. There is no one-size-fits-all. They got rid of the wings. Right. right? There is no one-size-fits-all. So you're seeing a plethora of devices, right? And as I said, it is no longer about the personal computer, right? It's about personalized computing. Right, so you'll have to unpack that a little. Yes, it sounds a little yeah. too close. Sure. So, pers- what I mean by cons- uh, personalized computing, we all have multiple devices around us, right? You have a smartphone. Everybody has a smartphone these days, right? Uh, the example I give is when I am sitting in my house and watching a ball game, I always have a tablet next to me. So, if I want to look up a player's stats and so on, I pull out my tablet. When I'm at work, I'm using my t- ThinkPad all the time, right? And I'm getting uh, my productivity done. Any, any, any time. Uh, when I'm in my kitchen, I'm using Alexa, right, to basically be able to, so I'm surrounded by technology and I'm using the right uh, device at the right time. That works for you. That works for that me, time. right? So it's not like I pull up my PC for everything. I use my PC when I do my work, but if I want to just find out the weather, if I want to find out a score, I can do that with, uh, with the Alexa uh, offering. So that's what I mean by personalized computing. We all have multiple devices, and uh, there is no one-size-fits-all. It's like, it's like clothing. If it rains outside, you put on your rain jacket. If it's summer outside, it's hot, you put on your shorts, right? So depending on what it is, you put on the appropriate clothing. Uh, computing is very similar. You're using the right, uh, you want to use the right product at the right time, right? There is no one size fits all. And that's what I mean by personalized computing. It's brilliant. So, so the day of having the one PC on the desk or the one PC in the house are long gone. We're it's now talking gone. about, about multiple computing multiple devices. devices. Yeah. And are the prices and the, the utility reflecting that? Because in, in many ways, a good PC is still a bit of an investment. You know, you have to spend a lot of money on something and, People might say, well, you know what, it's all great to have all these multiple devices, but we need one great device for the house, for example. Yeah, I mean, for the house, uh, again, I don't think there is uh, one size fits all these days, right? And uh, you still need a good PC, and it's like the car industry, right? You have cars that are much cheaper, but you know what you're getting for. And you pay more, you get a better product. And PCs are just like the same. You get PCs as low as 199 US dollars, 
to all the way up to a couple thousand gaming PC that you can buy, right? So, so the price ranges, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can go up to five thousand dollars. So it's just like just like the car industry, right? What kind of experience you want? What are you trying to go do? What is your objective at the end of the day? Gamer is going to buy a high-end PC, but maybe you know somebody who's just look, doing their emails. They don't need a fancy computer. They just need something basic that gets the job done. And there's a lot of talk. I mean, you hear about it that the, the age of the PC is over and it's all about mobile. How do you guys see that? I mean, that must be quite something that you've looked at and actually researched quite extensively. We have. And I believe the PC is not going away. It's going to be one of the many form factors that you have. When I say form factor, uh, I say... Are we talking about PC, either a desktop or even a laptop, a standard Windows-based or Apple-based Yeah, and, and if you look PC. at it, just in the last few years, the PCs have transformed. It's not like the PC is going away. The PC is always going to be there. Is it going to grow 10 20%? No. But it's going to be a few percentage on and off. The market is still pretty significant. You know, we're still talking about 250 uh, to 300 million devices. And Lenovo is still number one. If you combine, look at the tablet market and the PC market, we're still the number one player and we're growing uh, overall. So to me, the, uh, the if you look at the PC market, it, only in the last few years, we were the first ones to come out with the yoga form factor. Nobody those has that. The ones that the one, fold, fold over and stand up right? and all do those that Those didn't exist five years ago. So once we brought up now, it's a very common thing all over the place. Detachables didn't exist, right? Today, detachables are existing because technology makes it uh, able to do that. And I think that pace of innovation is only going to continue. So you think we're going to see even more interesting form factors and different... Types of How about PCs flexible displays? Well, this is, uh, I was expecting <laughs> to see one here today. So we have uh, concepts, prototypes, right? The technology is not ready yet. Just like uh, tablets weren't mainstream to touch technology became, till SSDs became affordable at a price point. And once those confluence of uh, technologies or building blocks, as I call them, came together, you had tablets all of a sudden, right? So I think. At a price that people could price, afford. Exactly. And, and that same thing is going to happen. You're going to start to see flexible devices, flexible uh, uh, tablets in the near future. That's quite a big change. I mean, to have something that's sort of roll up and put in your pocket or roll up and put under the desk type of thing. It's still a couple of years away. No, but fair enough. Yes. But, but, the, so, but the utility, the stuff that we do on these particular devices is not going to change that fundamentally. We're still going to be doing some form of either productivity or leisure computing at different ways. And with the growth of this Internet of Things and everything being connected, and even in South Africa we're seeing an explosion of high-speed you know, um, connectivity to the home. How is that going to change what you guys are seeing as the sort of tech computing environment? So it it will change the way uh, we use PCs. It will change the way uh, in our everyday lives, right? So in future, cars are going to be, you know, automated. And today you can already see they're autonomous, uh, self-driving capabilities, right? And you walk into your home, you have these uh, every, you have these smart devices. You have computing really all around you in the near future. And the thing about it is you don't have to pull out a PC. You don't have to pull out a smartphone. It's ambient, right? Where you so it just exists to, in it your just environment. Exists. It's just like heat. It's just like air. <laughs> it, computing is all around you, and it's available for you. It's really about those three things, that, as I talked about today. Is it what is it that really matters to customers at the end of the day? And what really matters, as we've done all our research, it's really time. People want to save time. They want to be effective. They don't want to be wasting time. And it's really comfort. And you want to be bogged down they in, don't the, in the tech itself. Exactly. You, technology for the technology's sake is useless, right? I just want to get my work done, right? So I want to be able to save time. I want to be able to use the technology anytime, anywhere. And at the end of the day, it's all about connection. It's about a human connection. How do we connect with each other, whether you're in the office or whether you're at home, being able to connect with each other. And that's what really matters. And as long as that, and that's what Lenovo was focused on, those three things uh, in terms of what matters. And if our technology addresses those three areas, we're doing the right things. Isn't there a danger in that, that the technology itself sort of takes a back step and brands become less and less important because, you know, the, the technology is just assisting us rather than being something you actually look at, touch, and feel. Will that change the way that we approach the brand such as Lenovo, or do you see that as still an important factor? I think brand is still important, right? When I look at uh, Net Promoter Score as, as a customer satisfaction, brand is really one of the top drivers, uh, quality. So brand, to me, is never going to go away, right? People trust brands versus white boxes, right? So, so that level of trust 
happens between a user and technology, and brands are key to that. And if you look at some of the top brands today, whether it's a Starbucks or whether it's a Marriott, right? Uh, people expect, you know, they certain trust the brand. things from it. Exactly, they expect certain things from it, and that'll always the brands will, 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 never diminishes. But isn't that also a challenge for Lenovo? I mean, you're active in particular areas right now, but technology itself is becoming more and more distributed, more a little bit more diverse. You've got the Alexa voice assistant, and obviously our friends at Amazon are pushing that very hard. They do the hardware, they do the software, they do everything. Um, but how does that affect or impact a company like Lenovo that's been fairly focused, as we discussed early, in three sort of major segments? Are you guys going to have to expand? Or are you going to have to cross, cross-pollinate amongst them to do stuff? Uh, absolutely. We, we may have to do different things, but we, have, we can't lose sight of the customer. Right at the end of the day, we're Switzerland. Whether they want to use Cortana or whether they want to use uh, Alexa, totally neutral or totally neutral. Right at the at the end of the day, how do I provide the right service for what my customers expect? If they want Alexa, I want to give that to them. If they want to use Cortana or they want to use Google. We're completely we're Switzerland here, right? And we want to provide <laughs> the best technology for them that they, that they expect. But from your point of view, I mean, you guys obviously have done a lot of thinking there. Is the voice interface going to become a significant factor in, t- in, in the interaction between you and your PC, your tablet, and your phone in the next couple of years? It will be. Uh, I think voice will play a, a big part uh, going forward in the future. Simple things like open up a document or pull up a presentation or what's the weather or pull up the song or pull up the stats. You can do with voice so much more. It's just so much more natural versus being able to type it in. So today it, it's still in its infancy. And I expect voice will become a major part of how you engage with technology. And is that, you know, it's got pretty sophisticated right now. How far away from are we from that reality? A year, two years? I'm not asking you to predict, but just to give a sense of, you know, you're working in it every day. So you must have a feel for at what point will it become ubiquitous and easy? You won't have to worry about it. It's still, I would say, at least a couple of years away. Okay. Right? It's still not there yet. Uh, the accuracy level is still at uh, 95 96%. Once it gets to 98 99%, it becomes... I mean, today I can already do that, right? With my phone, I can talk into it in my Motorola. I can say, okay, Google, and boom, it does it. Right? <laughs> Don't do that. All the phones here will start talking to you. Exactly. So I, I for sending out text messages, yeah. I always use voice. Right? There's no reason for me to type in. I can't remember the last time I used uh, to type uh, for a text message. It's actually very interesting because there's no question the last, I'm playing with some of the latest technology here, some of it beta, but the, the ability and the, and the smarts yep. of the voice recognition technology is getting coming along in leaps and bounds so it's not far off that you'll be able to I mean that Alexa thing I've also got one at home and it, it's, it's, it's remarkable you want to watch is. a movie you want to ask the weather it keeps telling me the weather in Seattle but there's reasons <laughs> for that but it has really come a long long way Yes, it has. and from just coming back because we've got a few seconds left here coming back to Lenovo the new products that you're showcasing, I mean, obviously there's a lot of enterprise stuff here and there's a lot of server stuff, which is back-end. But the consumer stuff, you focused very clearly, it seems, on, on innovative form factors. And any other factors that you found are really key that customers specifically are looking for in your products that you're responding to right now? You're specifically talking about consumer? Consumer products, yeah. Yeah, so at the end of the day, when we've done all our research, I mean, as I shared, the number one topic that was discussed as an example on all the forums is something as simple as displays. That's you mentioned that this morning, right? And, and in fact, the the corporates are the ones that are holding you back. Yes, they are, right? For price, for price sake. But customers expect a great display. You can get a great display on a phone. Why well, can't get, get that on my PC? So yeah, you don't want a sharp uh, cell phone and this fuzzy, grainy, horrible PC when you get to work. Yeah. So we're looking at obviously, you know, how do I provide this great user experience? How do I make sure that the, the trackpad experience or the display experience, we have great battery life uh, in our product? Something as simple as that to provide. Hey, what's the optimal VR solution, AR solution, right? Because customers don't know what they don't know. And technology is moving so fast, AR augmented reality is the next hottest thing out there. And, and that's what they, we back to brand. They trust Lenovo to come up with what people would, what they'd like Absolutely. in that space. Absolutely. There's so much innovation going on. We, we, we were the first ones to bring out an AR ready uh, Fab2 pro, uh, pro phone with Google's Tango technology, and that's at a very early stage proof of concept, right? You'll start to see a lot more AR coming out in the next couple of years.
Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Can you believe 20 minutes just flew by talking tech? (laughs) But it was wonderful to speak to you, and thank you for all your insights, and I'm sure we'll chat again fairly soon. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose, 11 to 12 p.m., only on 101.9 IFM. Hi there, and welcome back. That's really, uh, we just briefly touched on on so much. I mean, the event, you know, really set out where Lenovo are going, what they're up to, both in the consumer and in the more enterprise space. And a fascinating company of massive scale. Um, their takeover of, of the Motorola brand, which they've rebranded to Moto for whatever reason, I don't think that's proved to be quite as big as they hoped it would be, but still, the phones are great. They're available in South Africa and across the globe. And I think there's some interesting new things coming from them shortly. But as I said, there was just too much to talk about, but so many new products, but no question, voice, as we heard with all the other Bixby's and whatnot coming out, voice is certainly becoming a huge, huge thing going forward. And it makes so much sense. And in many respects, you know, the fingerprint typing, all these sort of physical interfaces are changing really quickly. We're going to use natural ones going forward, voice, face. In fact, uh, interesting, that's my gadget of the week. We'll get to that in two minutes. But before we do that, um, I've got a quick live read. If you have a community event coming up, you did you know that High FM will, prom- will mention it for free on air? Plus, we'll list it on our events page on highfm.com. So if you're interested and have an event you want to promote, just email Mandy, M-A-N-D-I, at highfm.com. Um, so it's M-A-N-D-I at highfm.com. And uh, they'll list it for you for free, 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of lots of interesting fun and life. Now, on to... My absolute, still always my favorite. Love getting the gadgets. Love getting them sent through. And I've got quite a few on the, on my plate at the moment. Got a great uh, laptop from Acer, which I'll talk about perhaps next week. I'm going to their press conference just before my show, um, in Berlin at IFA, which is the largest tech show in Europe. Um, but what I'm talking about today is an interesting package from a company that I've always believed makes really great products. Spoken about them quite a bit on air over the last little while. And that's LG, the other Korean company. We're totally Korean in this show today between Samsung and their neighbors, LG. But what LG, we were talking Samsung, obviously, the Note 8 is the top premium high-priced 20,000 rand by the time you finished with a cover and a couple of whatnots. Uh, phone, but this is something that is significantly, significantly cheaper. We're talking about the LG Q6. Now, the LG Q6 is launching in South Africa on the 1st of September. It'll be available from Vodacom, MTN, quite a few of the operators. I'm not sure who else at this point in time. But the Q6 is one of their first sort of spin-offs from the G6. Now, the G6 was launched earlier this year. It was their flagship phone for 2017, and a great phone. Um, you know, great phone at that point, all the latest technology. And they introduced something which they call full view, which simply translates into a taller, longer, um, slightly narrower screen. And a lot of the phones, the new Samsungs, the new LGs, and a couple of others, in fact, the rumor is the new uh, Apple coming later in September, will have a very similar sort of form factor. So instead of a standard 16 by 9, which is the sort of TV form factor of the screen which we've all become accustomed to. This is a new 18 by by 5 or 18, 18.5 by 9 which means it's slightly taller than it is wide and it certainly does seem to give you a lot more screen area. Where a screen of that sort really does shine is for any multimedia purposes. So watching YouTube videos, watching any other movies um, playing games, scrolling through web pages, you've got a little bit more height even reading your emails is a little better because there's more on the screen um, than you you had before. Now the new um, the new Q6 is an interesting product. It's a mid-range phone. It's firmly going to be priced in the sort of five to six thousand rand range, depending where and depending what the the um, the package is. And on the face of it, that is quite a high price 
for a mid-range phone that competes with the Nokias and a couple of other sort of mid-range phones from all the other operators out there. But I'll get to that in a minute. I think it's actually pretty good value because it's it's a pretty unique phone. It has one glaring emission, and that's where we were talking about face uh, recognition. It does not have a fingerprint reader, not on the front, not on the back, but what it does have is a very nifty a face recognition system. So you can set it up once you've entered your PIN or whatever it is. Um, you can set it up to recognize your face. You simply lift the phone up. It looks at your face, recognizes who you are, and um, boom, opens up, which in some cases can be a little quicker than putting in a pin, touching a finger if your finger's wet, if it's a little bit dirty, doesn't read. And that is something that all the new um, Samsungs have got. The new iPhone apparently, again, rumors, um, will have a 3D face recognition built in. So as far as biometric identification and unlock goes, Face and iris certainly seems to be a little bit more efficient, a little bit slim, simpler. Because, you know, when you pick up a phone, you look at it. It's the first thing you do. And it would be fabulous that it just unlocks. It's also running the latest version of Android. And it has the so-called full-view screen with a full metal frame um, they, uh, and a, a glass front and back. The glass is it's curved. It's a very round, very smooth, very quality feeling phone so from a build point of view i must tell you very impressive and the quality of the screen i'm not getting into all the uh, the the tech specs but it's a really good full hd screen 5.5 inches with an 18 by 9 ratio so it's slightly taller it's really interesting um and it's got a big 3000 milliamp battery so i've been using it for a few days and i can tell you the battery just does not die um, and obviously comes with a nano SIM and a micro SD card, so you can expand the memory. And it comes with a lot of memory for this price, a 3 gig RAM, which is the operating memory, and 32 gigs of ROM, which is the storage memory, which you can expand up to 2 terabytes using SD cards, which is really interesting. One interesting choice they made, it does not use the new USB-C charger. It uses the older version. And I've just been informed we have a quick Ad break, and then we'll be back with just summing up. But there are a couple of really interesting things around the Q6 that make it, I think, a pretty good v- package. We'll be back straight after this. Firefan Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose. Stephen Ambrose. So interesting. Welcome back. I didn't even know LG were advertising in my show, but that's very cool. And this is not an endorsement, but the OLED TVs, if you're looking for a top-end, high-end TV, are pretty spectacular. Certainly should be on your shortlist. So check them out. But back to the LG Q6. As I said, it is a solid mid-range phone. It's got a great 13-megapixel camera. It takes nice, sharp pictures. So overall, it is a very good quality, nicely built uh, mid-range device, which is much smaller than the average 5.5 inch. In fact, it feels it's not much bigger than a standard sort of iPhone uh, 6 in in many respects and, and feels a bit like that. But what um, LG have done in South Africa, which is going to probably make this one of the better values on the market, is that this this phone will come bundled with the LG Watch Style. Now, the LG Watch Style, I'm wearing one right now, came with the demo, um, is a really very good-looking smartwatch with very simplistic lines. It's round, it's clean, it's super thin. It's one of the thinnest on the market, comes with a real leather strap, and it is showcasing the latest Android Wear or Android Watch Wear 2 uh, system. So it's very slick, it's very fast, it's got all the features, it mirrors what goes on on your phone. You can answer, you can't answer on the watch, you can answer phone on the watch and take it on the phone. You can answer messages on the phone, on the watch. You can um, reply to messages on your watch. It's got multiple faces. It does, it doesn't have a heart rate sensor, but it does have a lot of the various sports tracking, which is built into Android Wear. And it's just a really great smartphone. And its value is about three, 3,200, 3,400 Rand. So when you take that into account, suddenly the phone becomes quite a big deal. And apparently, depending on the various packages, you may even get a 1,000 Rand back overall. So the watch, the phone, and a 1,000 Rand back for around about five grand is actually, I think, an excellent um, 
It's an excellent deal. So check it out. I'm pretty taken with the value that they offer. And the quality of the phone is really excellent. It is, uh, you know, obviously aluminium, so don't drop it. And a case would certainly help protect your investment. But overall, really well, well built, nicely put together. And the, the, the screen is, is a bigger advantage than most people would imagine. It, it's not something that you, you know, you'd realize being useful, but minimal bezel seems to be the, the, the sort of trend right now. So the front is all screen and uh, really nice quality, rounded, beautifully built. Um, and with the, the watch, which I must tell you, it's, it looks slick. It works well and it's pretty pretty. So <laughs> very, very, very interesting package. And I think we're going to see more and more of this from the various manufacturers where you're going to get a complete system. So if you're hankering after a smartwatch, if you're looking for uh, a mid-range phone that pretty much has, I would say, 90% of the features of the real high-end phones for a price that won't break the bank. Um, this is a really decent quality uh, entry into an incredibly crowded market. And as I've said before, I like the LG quality. I like the LG interface. It's simple. It's clean. It's not pure stock Android. There's still a little bit too much duplication in terms of the LG Mail app and then the Google Mail app and the LG calendar and the Google calendar. But they've kept it pretty slick pretty clean. It really works really well. It's got more than enough memory. I've played some pretty good games on it without it slowing down terribly. So overall, I think another interesting entry into the mid-range market. Um, Very, very competitive. So I think you really need to spend a little bit of time. But if you're looking for a great phone that comes along with a really nice, probably one of the nicer watches. It's it's a stainless steel, so it's quite resistant. It's waterproof as well, so you can take it for a little uh, dip. I wouldn't go professional swimming with it, but it is waterproof. The strap, not so much, but the straps clip off, and you can put all sorts of other rubber straps on. The leather strap would probably not take to a session in the pool really well. So check it out. It's, as I said, coming to the market uh, on the 1st of September, and um, you can see if this is exactly what it is that you're looking for. And a combination of watch, phone, and a little bit of discount certainly won't do any harm. Now I can see, unfortunately, we are running out of time. I'm about to get uh, Craig, our tech here, our tech controller, to wave at me. But I have one last thing that I want to share with you guys today. Um, As I said, next week I'm going to be away. I'm going to be in Berlin for the largest tech show in Europe where lots of stuff is being announced. In fact, Samsung are having another press conference launching a whole lot of new stuff, so they tell me. Um, I won't, unfortunately, be able to report live, but I will try to get as much information uh, in advance of the actual uh, show because that starts on Thursday, which is my day for the, for Tech Talk. And um, I will get it as much as I can to you guys. But if not, tune in the following week. Well, tune in every week, but tune in the following week for a full report back. But my app of the week, something that I've been playing with, I've been absolutely enjoying tremendously, is Instagram for Windows 10. Now, Instagram if you've been living under a rock, has become a really big platform for sharing the most amazing pictures. It's being used by brands a lot to promote. So all you have to do in Windows 10 is go to the App Store and just search for Instagram. And you download it. It installs as an app on your, your Windows 10 desktop. And you've got full functionality of Instagram. Same as Twitter, same as Facebook. You can now get an Instagram app which allows you to view the pictures, upload pictures, comment on pictures. It's just great. And on that note, I'm afraid we've run out of time this week for Tech Talk. This is Stephen Ambrose right here on HiFM. And if you missed anything and you want to hear again, please go to our website on HiFM.com and uh, download or listen to the podcast. It's available there on Tech Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in and sharing this time with me today. This is Stephen Ambrose. Till next time on High